Life definitely has its fair share of ups and downs. We deal with the death of loved ones, different illnesses, mental health challenges, and every other struggle in between. But sometimes it's hard to be real and actually talk about this stuff. My name is Alexis Bean, but you can call me Lex. And this is Big Girl Panties Podcast. Here, I chat with both professional experts and other women like me who have their own story about living through grief, trauma, and other tough times, and how they have found a way to put on their big girl panties and thrive. Hey everyone, thanks for coming back for another episode of Big Girl Panties Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Bean. During our last episode, we talked about female Olympians and a few quote-unquote controversial moments that happened during the games. And the running theme which I didn't really realize initially, was that each of these women were prioritizing themselves. They were protecting their mental health in some regard, and they were standing in their truth, regardless of what the media had to say about it. We're still in a pandemic, unfortunately, and the level of scrutiny that was placed on these women were evident as a result of the way the media positioned these stories. Now, I won't keep rambling on, but in today's episode, we're going to pick up where we left off from our last discussing Shakari Richardson, and then we're going to dive into some of the standout performances from the Olympic Games. Obviously, I'm going to be fangirling over Bermuda's own Flora Duffy, so be ready for that. But I won't be biased, and I'll just let the episode play out the way I intended it to. Just an objective combo between friends, uplifting fellow women. Now let's not waste any more time, and just jump right back in. This is episode 17 of Big Girl Panties Podcast. I hope you enjoy. I am a fan of Shakari Richardson. Mm-hmm. Let me first and foremost put that out there. I am a big fan of LSU. I've been watching her since LSU. Everybody knows I love LSU. That I am biased in that sense. But let me tell you why I like Shakari Richardson. Shakari Richardson, if you can remember, she never came out and said, I didn't make a mistake. I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I should be at the Olympics. I should be there. Y'all suck. <laughs> like, this is my moment. Nope. She said, I made a mistake. I'm going to keep it moving. I'll be back. Right? It was everybody else <laughs> that seemed to have everything to say. Shakari mm-hmm. Richardson comes from a different area. Okay? Mm-hmm. She comes from a place where nobody from city life can even imagine. You can only see it in television shows and movies. Mm -hmm. So whereas we say, if you know better, you should do better. What about those people who don't know better? Mm -hmm. That's simple. So she made the mistake. She was grieving the loss of her mother. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure a lot of people wouldn't even be able to step foot on a track after the loss of their mother or father. And for her to overcome so much, she didn't kill anybody. She smoked weed. She got caught. She kept it moving. Mm -hmm. She is a phenomenal athlete. She's very sure of her abilities and her gifts. She's still a kid. Everybody forgets. And they act like everybody needs to be mature, ready to go. She just graduated LSU. I'm pretty sure she graduated, right? I think she graduated. <laughs> or she's Yeah, she's a kid. I was dancing on bars at 21 years old. Okay. <laughs> like she's breaking, you know, she's breaking records. She's winning races. And so 
that's my take on Shikari. Once she knows better, she will do better. And grieving loss, everybody does it in different ways. Mm-hmm. And for her to step on the track and do what she did and take full responsibility for what she did, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, so I was not a sprinter. So it's not like I have all of this like immense U.S. pride and in U.S. sprint. I mean, I follow it and everything, but I'm not coming at it from a place where I just like want to force myself to like a given athlete. And I still like, I'll say it again, like this is something that I completely shift onto the media and everyone just becoming obsessive about wanting to talk about the situation. I understand that, you know, one of the most prolific runs from the U.S. Olympic trials and then she's not able to go and compete is a big story. But the debate that followed, it (laughs) it just became ridiculous. All of that said, Shakari Richardson has built a brand for herself. She now has two and a half million followers on social media. She is, to Priscilla's point, unbelievably confident. Mm-hmm. And we've also seen her run her mouth, right? And so people, especially not from the US, I feel like they want to hate that. And people here too, they want to hate that because like that's not how you conduct yourself. Yeah. I relate it and I will say I am not a Taylor Swift fan, but if Taylor Swift was a dude, she'd be the man. Like, Mm -hmm. just like her song says, there would be no debate about her being the greatest of all time. Yeah. That's not totally apples to apples with Shakari Richardson, but. But it is. Brand. You know, Usain Bolt did the same, like when he does that, his whole cockiness and everything, everyone's like, ooh, Usain Bolt. But she backed everything she said. You know what I mean? Like, and I guess that's what it is, but you're 200% right that this conversation afterwards, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I didn't know. But her brand, building her brand, she was at the Met Gala. Yeah. She's on all, yeah, all the power to her. Well, she just she's collaborated just- with Kanye West during that time. Like, yeah. so I give her credit in that way. She obviously also has a really great agent. We'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that to help her land some of the deals she's had. But All of this to be said, when she wasn't picked for the four by one, I was surprised and really felt for her because I don't believe that marijuana should be a banned substance, even though I do not indulge. I don't think it fits in the list of all of the other banned substances. It doesn't actually positively impact your performance or anything. So I disagree with the substance being there. I do agree, though, that the rules are pretty clear and it's an Olympic year. We're coming up on biggest time of the year, biggest part of people's career. She didn't follow the rules. Therefore, she was suspended. Like, that's just black and white, because once you start to mess with gray, it becomes extremely hard for these governing bodies to be able to put any regulation around it. So I think in the effort of keeping it black and white, simple it makes sense that she was suspended and i agree with the suspension only because the rules were clear now in terms of the four by one she was eligible to travel and i felt for her when she wasn't selected i kind of was pulled in both directions because i respected their set of rules they respect chikari they want to see her succeed and they're going with a team of people who didn't break a rule and i see that side of it as well. They could have done the easy thing. Like I said, this girl has two and a half million followers. They could have turned around, 
put her on the team so they didn't have to experience any backlash. Now she's back at the Olympics. That's easy. I think they made the difficult decision by not taking her. So I guess I see both sides on that piece of it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of her as, as a person, I couldn't agree with Priscilla more. She could have turned around and been like, you know, her cocky personality, her transparent personality felt like the reaction from her, like what would have been consistent with her personality would have been some sort of cry of ridiculousness. And she didn't take that road. Instead, she was like, yep, I did it. She's 21 years old. Takes a lot for her to bite her tongue through it all. You know, she optimized herself through all of that time, but never once publicly frowned upon the decision. She just said, I did something wrong. So Mm -hmm. she had great, she was surrounded by great people, but I think there was maturity in that. Yeah. So my feeling about this is a bit different. Number one, I think because I'm not American. So I think Priscilla, it was you who pointed that out, or was it you, Michelle, pointed that out that people from other countries may feel a little bit different. Michelle, it was you. So I'm one of those people. But before I get into that, I will say that I did feel for her because I am someone who also lost a parent. And that grief is like indescribable. And everyone who goes through that feels that differently. So no one can judge you in the way that you go through that process, unless of course you're harming another person. No one can judge you by the way that you respond or go through that grief. And that's a journey. So she is still going through that. So it was unfortunate that she was going through that at that time and in front of a world stage, essentially, you know what I mean? So I definitely feel for her on that front. But I'm also going to mention the elephant in the room, which is she's not the first person to lose a loved one while competing at the Olympics or competing anywhere. Athletes all around the world, I'm sure, thought of someone they knew who went through something similar, even on on the level of the Olympic Games. So that is something. And the only thing that I will say to that is that Uh, That's just a growing moment. And I hope that she is surrounded by the right people to continue to uplift her and hold her up as she continues to go through this scenario, because it's not like uh, because the Olympics is done now that she's still not grieving. You know what I mean? So that is going to be a continuous journey for her. We know it's a banned substance. We know it's on the list as an athlete. You know the rules. So you, you can't do that. Unfortunately, she was not able to participate. And I don't think that she should have been allowed to compete in the 4 by one just because I feel like if they did allow her to compete, then it would have been a bad example, I think. It would have been an example that like, okay, if we let her do this one-off thing, then what does that say for other athletes who perhaps were also banned or weren't allowed to compete in the Olympics because of banned substances? So I think it was kind of like their hands were tied maybe. The, but, the way that I looked at it was I thought that when it comes to marijuana, there's like every substance, there's a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So once that was lifted, I'm like, okay, so she's in the clear. Now I felt like she was being punished for no reason mm. because she paid her dues. She wasn't allowed to do her individual event. So if anything, if I was them, I would have been like, your band and September 1. You know, rather than be like, okay, your band is 30 days. Well, yeah. to the average person, they can count 30 days and say, okay, she can still fly out and get ready and help the U.S. win the gold medal. You know, yeah. like I felt like she was being punished, I guess, harsher 
than anything else than being like, okay, this is your time. You know, like this is an opportunity. The Olympics, I mean, knock on wood, she could get hurt. You know, something else could happen. You know, like anything can happen. So the Olympics, when you get the opportunity, if she paid her dues, that's it. If you go to jail, they're not going to be like, well, you have to go and you're going to stay another two weeks. Mm -hmm. For what? Uh, You know, you know how it is. Like there was no reason once she paid her dues as to why she wasn't allowed to compete. That's what I'm saying. So what I will say, and this is going to be quick because Priscilla, I know that you have to hop soon on this and then we should like jump to another thing as well is that, so say if you, the jail example, you go to jail, you go to jail, you do your time. When you get out of jail, should you be granted like the job that you had previous to that because you've served your time? You know what I mean? If you murdered someone, it depends on the offense, you know, (laughs) that's why like cocaine, like if you do coke, you're banned, like you are, your ban is years. Yeah. Your man is either years, life, like you serve your sentence. So most of the time, I think she got it. You know what I mean? Like you missing out on your individual event is a lot. Yeah. So her coming back and going to the Olympics and being like, okay, now your, your spotlight is taken. Now you have to do it for the team. I think is very different. You mm-hmm. know, she served her time. If somebody's in jail and they serve their time, if it was for marijuana, yeah, go ahead, work wherever you were. Half these people are smoking weed at their job anyway. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I just feel like once you've done your time, it's time to move on. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, two quick things. The U.S. drug tests so much more than the average country. Mm-hmm. So I will also say that and I obviously don't know what like other federations are doing, but it is public knowledge that USADA is one of the strictest, if not the strictest, when it comes to anti-doping. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that I did struggle with. And again, I'm not a passionate Fakari Richardson fan, but I'm like, are other countries, you know, testing for trace levels of marijuana randomly <laughs> and regularly? I know, but probably not. <laughs> random occasion but um, I don't think I've ever I think I may have gotten tested once since (laughs) joining Antigua but then the last thing I would just say to close it out is while I think she could have been on the four by one your performance at the trials doesn't determine whether you are or aren't on the relay for example the women's four by four was comprised of an 800 runner two 400 meter hurdlers Mm -hmm. and a 400 meter runner so it's completely up to the discretion of the country so they could have flown her over there and then the 100 meter team performed so well that she didn't even run on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just to close that out, I'm rooting for her in the future. I know this is like, you know, the me- the power of the media, right? Good publicity, bad publicity. Sometimes I wish that someone would like take her phone. She would write certain things. Like that's a part of her personality, right? That's- I wish a lot of people had their phones taken away <laughs> a lot of times, but I agree with that. Sometimes turn it off. Send the power off, boo boo. Give yeah. it to your process. Let them handle it. <laughs> Would we be having this conversation if she wasn't Shikari Richardson? Would we be talking about this so controversially if she wasn't one of the best? Because I, we had this whole conversation about, I think it just comes down to like, it almost makes me feel guilty now for having this conversation because while I think she likes to run her mouth and all that, we are not talking about the men that are doing this. And I know we're t- kind of focused on women right now, mm-hmm. but if she was just, you know, if she finished in seventh at the trials, 
she'd be less relevant, but we wouldn't be hating on her so Mm -hmm. much. And I think that there is like definitely there's tension between us and Jamaica, obviously always with the sprints and especially now with Shikari, but it's not like she's the first person to be this vocal. So I struggle with all of it. And like, where do you give the grace and where should someone truly be critiqued and all of that? They definitely rolled it up in a beautiful package for us to discuss this year because people couldn't physically be at the games. It wasn't the same kind of thing. So they had to pinpoint their moments of where they wanted people to focus on and be engaged and get the same level of attention as any other Olympic Games would. So they definitely, I guess, got the job done as far as that's concerned. And just as a last point on her, she's young. So I hope that she stays within the sport because she is so young. She should And hopefully she does compete at the Paris Olympics and just like does outstanding performances. I'm excited to see her future as a track fan. Agree. She's in like Miley Cyrus wrecking ball stage and (laughs) she still has a few more life stages to go through. (laughs) She has time to evolve. (laughs) Oh my God. Priscilla, before we move on, I just want to say thank you for joining us today in this conversation. I definitely would love to have you back on the show and hear your perspective about other things and also hear more about your story because I know you personally, but the listeners do not know you personally. So I'm excited to speak with you again. So I just want to say thank you. And thank you for this reunion. (laughs) Thank you. I love reunions. I love what you're doing. I will always support you and Michelle. You guys are great human beings. And anytime that we can have a conversation, I will make myself available. And so I truly, truly am so grateful to have a platform to speak with you both. Thank you, P. We will talk to you soon. And Michelle, you and I can keep the convo going. I love you guys. Love you too. All right. So then there were two. Then there were two. (laughs) But but let's talk about some standout performances. And I'm going to butcher this name. Not that this athlete's going to hear this, but Nishia Mamiji. Yeah, we'll just go with that in my Italian accent. (laughs) A 13-year-old Japanese skateboarder won a gold medal at the Olympics, which makes her the second youngest champion in Olympic history. And she's also officially the youngest Japanese Olympic champion and the first ever female Olympic skateboarding champion. 13. Like, that's crazy. It is crazy. And I think that Brazil also had a 13-year-old who was second. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was like that girl that went viral back in 2015. Tony Hawk like shared some video of her and then there she was in the Olympics. We'll just see that come full circle. But yeah, just amazing. Skateboarding, obviously a newer sport to the Olympic circuit. And to see that, you know, it's interesting because it's insane and amazing that 13 year olds were up there on the podium at the Olympics. But then in the same breath, it shows that there's like future of sport. So because that sport is new in the Olympics, maybe that has something to do with the fact that the best are are young because they grew up. If you're 19, 20, 21, and it's never been an Olympic sport, maybe you didn't focus on it in such a way that it could be a career for you. But now these younger individuals are growing up admiring the likes of Tony Hawk from such a young age and then it becomes an Olympic sport and that becomes the dream. Yeah. And I think that'll just fuel the future of the sport because they're 13 performing this well. Hopefully they're still performing this well. 
eight years from now, 10 years from now, and in the interim, inspiring all of these other youth, especially girls to get on skateboards. It's not like the typical sport you would think Mm -hmm. uh, that a, a female would be participating in, but I hope that they serve as inspiration and, and help grow that sport. Yeah, that's so true. That's so right. Because I didn't think of it from that perspective because it is such a new addition to the Olympics. And I didn't think about the older athletes. And so first of all, let me just mention the older athletes. I'm really sorry. Imagine like being into skateboarding and then just kind of like giving up or like deciding, like, oh, I'm not going to focus on it so much because, you know, what's the point? I want to move on with my life. And then like being like 23, 24 now and like seeing the Olympics and you're like, oh, really? I think, <laughs> and now you're doing this. But from an inspirational aspect, like it's going to be awesome for the youth that are coming up and who are aspiring to be to that level. And just being able to watch these athletes in another few years in the Paris Olympics and future Olympic Games and like the level that they're going to reach is just going to continue to be heightened. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah. So that's awesome. Okay, I don't mean to jump into the middle of my own episode, but I have to. This chat was pre-recorded about a month ago now, and the time that it's being released for the first time is after October 18th. What is significant about October 18th? Well, that was Flora Duffy Day in Bermuda. I just wanted to stop the episode to have a full fangirl moment for the Flora Duffy, Bermuda's first and only Olympic gold medal winner. So she currently has the Olympic champion title and the world champion title this year in 2021. Everyone in Bermuda feels the same way that I do, but her race at the Olympics gave me chills and her finish brought me just to absolute tears. I was a mess. I still can't really express the words, but for someone from Bermuda, we only have a population of about 62,000 people. And to achieve something of this magnitude is just absolutely incredible. It inspires me, and I'm sure it inspires countless others to just keep going after your dreams, to stay dedicated, to stay focused, and keep giving it your best effort, and you can achieve greatness one day. And her speech that she gave on Flora Duffy Day was just so moving, and it was a thank you, pretty much, to her island home. Again, that brought me to tears. And I can only imagine the hope in the eyes of the young people who listen to that and who are growing up and see Flora as proof that people from a small island like Bermuda can achieve greatness to this magnitude. Thank you, Flora, if you ever hear this, for inspiring us all and congratulations again for all that you've achieved. Friends, wherever you're from in the world, I hope that you're inspired and believe that you can achieve great things in this life because you can. So get out there and go after your dreams. Okay, I'll wrap up this inspiring moment so we can get back to talking about these inspiring athletes with our guests. Other outstanding performances that I have mentioned on here, a few from track, my favorite sport, Elaine Thompson-Hara. See, she was like the queen of the Olympics in my eyes. (laughs) She achieved a clean sweep, winning a gold in the 100 meters, 200 meters, and four by 100 meter relay. She defended her gold medals from the 2016 Olympics. She set an Olympic record when she won the women's 100 with a time of 10.61. So I was so excited when watching the women's sprints. 
And not just because of Elaine, but just because of women's sprints in general, because, you know, for the last few Olympic Games, the spotlight has been on the men, right? Because Mm -hmm. of Usain Bolt and anyone that decided to like come up against him. And, you know, it was just the big uproar with the men, the men, the men. So I was really excited for the focus to for once be on the women. I was pumped to see that. And just obviously being from an island automatically will be for Jamaica in those instances. Love America. I went to school there. So no disrespect to America. But I will always be rooting for a Caribbean island and Jamaica because everyone knows that they are incredible when it comes to track and field. So I'll always um, have a soft spot for them. But it was it was awesome to see Elaine achieve what she was able to achieve. So I'm like, yeah, I thought that was an outstanding performance at the Olympics. And I think not even just Elaine, who's, you know, she's had an absolute amazing year, but also just watching the Jamaican team perform, mm-hmm. especially in the 100 meters, like that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Her and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price and Sharika Jackson, like they were phenomenal as a trio for the clean sweep. And then even watching Jamaica in in the meets that followed, right? So mm-hmm. the, uh, the, Diamond the Diamond League, just like everything. It's just been, it was just awesome. It was just awesome to see. For Jamaica. So I, I'm really, I'm really excited for the future of, I shouldn't even say the future because the future is now, but this year I'm excited for the performances this year. And then next year and years to come for um, team Jamaica, because I really hope that they're able to get Flojo's record. I just want to be able to be here, right. To see it happen because yeah. not that I wasn't alive, but I wasn't involved or cared when Flojo set that record. But it would be cool to see that in this day and age where I'm like watching track. So that would be cool to see. Yeah, I agree. I also want to mention two other track athletes. I mean, I could mention like every track athlete because I love track and I'm biased uh, to that. But um, I just want to mention Shelly Ann Fraser-Price and Allison Felix. They both did phenomenally in the Olympics, but I want to mention them specifically and highlight them specifically because they are both mothers and they were just beautiful examples during this Olympic Games that yes, they love a sport, that is their job, that is their passion, but they also have a passion to have a family, have children. And they were both able to show that they can do that, take a break, go have a child and then come back and perform the sport that they love. So I thought that that was incredible for them both. Allison Felix, she won the 400 meters at the age of 35, and she became the most decorated U.S. track and field athlete of all time. And she gave birth just three years prior to her daughter via emergency C-section at 32 weeks. So I was so happy for her and like just gleaming. I'm not a U.S. citizen, but I was gleaming with light for her, with her accomplishments and just so, just so amazed at her career in general, because she's had a phenomenal career. So I just thought it was a beautiful performance. And if she decides that now she wants to retire. Yeah. I mean, Allison has been on the scene for years as has Shelly Ann. And to come back, I mean, watching as, you know, being in the U.S., definitely being in tune a little bit more with Allison, just watching her come back from the pregnancy and seeing her times just 
drop and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And there was, I'd say like earlier this, I guess it was late winter, early spring. It was definitely like, is she going to even going to make the team? Mm-hmm. And then she, I mean, she obviously knows what she's doing. She of course has great coaching, but she just like came together beautifully at the right time. And it was amazing seeing her and some of the other women who had, I think there's a beautiful photo. I don't remember who was in that photo with her, another athlete with their children. He was another U S athlete with their children on the track. And it's like, you said the future is now, right? And she's just inspiring women to, they can do anything. And I think even more than just her track and field accomplishments, she's obviously thinking about what's next for her and has become a huge advocate for women that want to have children and are also professional athletes because she was not entitled to the benefits that a company would typically provide And after she left Nike and starting her own company, there's been a lot that she's accomplished here over the last three years since having her daughter. Yeah, she's done. She's done incredible, incredible things. I'm excited for her future, not on the track, but off of the track as she continues to, I guess, be a voice for women in sport and just women in general who choose. It's more than just sports, right? It's women who choose to do what they want, women who choose to own their bodies and stand in their right and do what they want to do. It's crazy that this even has to be like an example or a topic of discussion. She's a beautiful spokesperson, I guess, of courage and standing in your truth and being like a heroine for just women in general. So I just, I love her. And then Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, love her. She's won eight medals at the Olympic Games. She is the most decorated athlete of all time at age 34. She became proud mom in 2017. And I just respect her because she comes from Jamaica. She comes from an underprivileged upbringing in Kingston, Jamaica. I've seen just highlights of her just giving back. I know that she's written a book. She spends a lot of time like giving back to the children of Jamaica and just like helping, helping children and yeah, I guess like helping them and being a light to them and initiating change back in her home country. So I love, I love her for that outside of the fact that I'm like, she's super fast and like, she's super talented. (laughs) Outside of the fact that I think she's phenomenal. Loki, I was rooting for her to get Olympic gold just because of her age, as if they're worrying about me, in my opinion. I'm super happy for Elaine as well. I I think they both ran phenomenally, the entire like Jamaica team, because obviously I was rooting for them. But yeah, I thought she's an, an incredible example, being a strong woman, And just standing up for herself and just saying, like, actually, this is my sport. This is what I do. I'm phenomenal at it. But I also want to have a family. So I just thought it was a beautiful example of that and a beautiful inspiration for women in general. So go Shelly Ann. The next woman, I'll go quite quickly on these next few. Mary Hannah. She is an equestrian from Australia. She was the oldest athlete to compete at the Olympics at the age of 66. So go Mary. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually did not even hear this story before. So yeah, 66. I I just looked it up because I didn't see this. And I was like 66. I'm like, that's incredible. I'm like, like, good for her. People are literally retiring at 65. And Mary, I'm actually going to the Olympics. So like, hold my things. So (laughs) it is incredible. So just as we spoke about like the youngest athlete at the age of 13, 
Mary was the oldest athlete at the age of 66. So I thought that was phenomenal. We had to celebrate her and recognize that as a standout performance. So go, Mary. I also wrote down Kimia Ali Zade. Okay. Eliza Day. Eliza Day. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Michelle. She was fourth in women's taekwondo representing the refugee Olympic team. And she fled Iran, the Iranian uh, regime in 2020. So this woman obviously is incredibly brave. I don't know what her story is, what she's been through, but that's phenomenal that she's able to uh, focus on sport and able to compete at such a level where she can perform at the Olympic Games. So that was definitely something to highlight, in my opinion. Sydney McLaughlin. Sydney, she finished uh, with a time of 51-46. She won Olympic gold. At 21 years old, she is the youngest gold medal winner in history for the 400-meter hurdles prior. Mm -hmm. So that's Sydney. She is the youngest gold medal winner in history of the 400 meter hurdles at age 21. One other thing I'd say there is like, we've talked about a lot of athletes like growing up in this spotlight and like Mm -hmm. Simone and Naomi and Shikari and Sydney McLaughlin made the Olympic team when she was 16 back in 2016. Oh, wow. 21. And she's just like handled herself with nothing but grace. And I couldn't like admire that more in a 21 year old. She's mature beyond her years for sure. Mm-hmm. Seeing her from afar. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited to see her in the future of the sport. And she trains with Allison Felix now. And she trained, tra- trains with Allison Felix. That's awesome. And so that yeah. must be such a, a great dynamic for her. I'm excited to see her continue. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, and so the last standout performance that. I'm going to mention, obviously, because I'm from the country of Bermuda, is Flora Duffy. She won the first gold medal for Bermuda, and she won the second medal ever for our island. An incredible, an incredible feat. And just recently, meaning like today, it was confirmed that we are now in the Guinness World Book of Records uh, as being the smallest nation by population to win a gold medal in the Summer Olympics. Wow. Yeah. So Flora is incredible for winning a gold medal for Bermuda in the triathlon. And the second medal ever, the only other medal that we have was won by Clarence Hill in 1976 in heavyweight boxing, and he won a bronze medal. But this is our our first gold medal. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, so... Flora, obviously, I have affinity for her because we shared the same last name. And but she also spends a lot of time in Boulder and a lot of my network knows her and has nothing but amazing things to say about her. She's so seemingly very well loved, respected individual. Yeah. I'm like, we love to see it. We love to see it. Myself, along with like every other person on the island, everyone watched like the whole island was watching this race and bars were filled, like cheering her on. And like I watched at home, but like social media was like on 100 with everyone commenting and things. And like as I watched, I had like tears in my eyes. I was like, she's going to do this. Like, this is crazy. As she's mentioned in interviews, this was way bigger than just her. She won this for the entire island. And like, you know, I speak about it with such passion, even now thinking about it, like I was speechless watching her compete. And so 
she performed something that is like indescribable for our country. And I speak for her, but also I think of like other athletes who come from smaller nations and like the pride that these countries feel when one of their own achieves something great like this. And also last like fun fact on this, um, it was just announced that we're going to get a national holiday because I of- did see that. <laughs> <laughs> so October 18th, it was just announced the other day, October 18th this year is Flora Duffy Day. So I got the day off coming up. So that's really exciting. <laughs> that's cool. And I can't take anything from this, like meaning like, oh, I know Flora, but we are from a small country, but I went to the same school as Flora, which was pretty awesome. Shout out to War Academy. Hey guys. I went to Warwick with Flora and I competed against her and like alongside her in my younger years when she would do running races, when she would perform in road races and different things. So here and there, I was able to um, run against her. So I will always, you know, be able to mention that at different, um, yeah. you know, cocktail parties. So, you know, I, I know Flora Duffy. <laughs> her number or anything but you know i went to the same school as her and i've run in a race against her a few times <laughs> but, but yeah so it's really inspiring so what i want to come away with all of this whether you're an athlete or not you can take something from each of these ladies performances because the focus that you have to have to achieve something like this but also just to say, I have a goal, I want to go after it, and being able to achieve that and inspire so many as a result of that is phenomenal. Like after watching the Olympic Games, I felt rejuvenated, not to go outside and go for a run, but to put in my best effort with big girl panties. Watching the Olympic Games, I said, you know what, I think I want to do an episode on this. I don't know what angle I'm going to do quite yet, but I, I would like to speak about this. And when it comes to my job, like just think of my personal life, right? Any goal that you have, I think that each person listening can be inspired by the feat that each of these athletes have been able to achieve. Because even by like qualifying for the Olympic Games, like that's huge. You're best of the best in the entire world. Like, come on, right? And all of these other little stories that just come out that makes the athletes relatable and also tells the general public like it's okay to not be okay and that kindness first like we see all of these stories coming out of just about like pure moments that happened in the olympics like these are humans but they also do serve as inspiration so you can take some inspiration from all of them whether they didn't have the day but like rose up above that all and and moved forward from a really bad day that they focused on forever, or they did have the day and they were kind of like the dark horse or not even mentioned. And just to surprise yourself, like you're capable of more than you think. There's so much inspiration to draw from all of it, even if you don't typically have an interest in sport. And I think that's why the Olympics after hundreds of years is still successful because it's inspiring in so many different ways. And also just, truly impressive. Yeah. So the games, the games have just been so inspiring, I think, to so many. And I think it's important for you to stop and think about that instead of just watching like a hound, like 
watching athletes as if these aren't like real people behind these sports, remembering the person behind it, remembering the people who actually achieved what they have been able to achieve. And when you do that and just focus on the person, I think that that's where the true inspiration lies because at the end of the day, they are human just like you and I. And I think that we can continue to learn so much from women like the ladies that we mentioned today. So I think that for myself, the biggest takeaway from watching and hearing about these women, similar to what you said, is that they are human. They had struggles with their mental health, just like I have throughout this pandemic and throughout life in general, but also that the top performances that these women have been able to achieve for themselves because they reach for these goals for themselves, right? Not for the world. So I think that it's something to mention that like, if we have a goal in mind that we can focus on that for ourselves and we can continue to reach new heights and break records, break our own records, right? So I think that's my, been my biggest takeaway from the game. So not a specific athlete or specific performance, but just what I think I felt once the games finished. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today and having this conversation with me today. It's been a real pleasure. I loved the reunion with me, you and Priscilla. It was a great St. John's reunion, our roomies reunion. So it was really exciting to have you both on the show. But before I let you go, I want to ask you the famous question. What does putting on your big girl panties mean to you? And what does that look like in your life? Well, I actually have a quite literal story. When I made the state meet, the New York state meet as an eighth grader in track and field, I qualified in both the high jump and the 1500, mm-hmm. kind of an odd mix, but I did not perform well in the high jump and eighth grade, not super mature, not used to failure really, because I was excelling in eighth grade at this high school level and all of a sudden I'm competing against the national champion and I just was not emotionally or mentally ready for that. I don't think at such a young age, but I had this breakdown after I did not jump well and I still had the 1500 meters to run. And this coach who is not even my coach, but she came up to me when I was standing with my mom and she just always kind of had a a thing for me, a, a liking to me. And she came up to me and she was like, Michelle, do you know how many girls would love to be in your shoes right now? Okay, so that didn't go great. Put on your big girl panties, get out there and run the 1500 meters. And that term has stuck with me and makes me think of her all the time because it was like one of the best lessons I learned. I went out there, I ran great. I actually peed my big girl panties (laughs) because I ran so hard. And I think... Just like that scenario with her standing there, like at the state meet, she barely knew me. It's just been something that's stayed with me because what she was really saying to me was like, okay, there's more. So getting caught up in this moment isn't moving you forward. Like you still have something ahead of you. Mm -hmm. So focus on what's ahead of you. Stop thinking about this moment because if you think about now, when you get to the future, you won't be prepared for that either. Yes. So I've really tried to carry that 
moment with me. I mean, I think about her all the time. I've, every time I run into her, that's the story that we tell. And it's taught me a lot of lessons. And there's been many times where my mom, when I was in high school, would be, she was standing there and she'd just be like, put on your big girl panties. So it's definitely been a, a lesson that I've held with me for a long time. Just if you focus on your current moment, you'll never be ready for what hits you in the future. You just have to keep moving. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure, as I said before, to have you and Priscilla on the show. I really think that this was a great conversation, not just for sport and women who enjoy sports and athletics and the Olympic Games, but just women in general, because there were definitely some key takeaways that we can all walk away with, some all important lessons and important things that we can think about. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to joining again. All right. Thanks. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Big Girl Panties podcast. Something different to start with, right? Focusing heavily on sports and then relating it back to who we are at our core as women and what women are capable of. I am so in awe of elite athletes and each of the women at the Olympics just deserve all of their accolades, all of their praise and then some more. So congratulations again, ladies. Before I go, I just want to give everyone a heads up on what we're going to be talking about next on the podcast and provide a bit of a trigger warning for those who may choose not to tune in. Our next two episodes are going to be conversations with guests discussing the topic of domestic abuse. October is recognized as Domestic Violence or Domestic Abuse Awareness Month, so I thought it would be really important to include these episodes as the month wraps up and as we go into November. I'm honored to be speaking with someone who was a victim of domestic abuse, and she's come forward and agreed to share her story with us. And then on another episode, I'll be speaking with the Executive Director at the Center Against Abuse in Bermuda to learn more. These kinds of episodes, although very uncomfortable and painful to discuss and hear about, are so very important. And unfortunately, they are part of some people's stories. But at Big Girl Penny's podcast, we're not shying away from sharing certain parts of our story. I think we just need to navigate the storytelling with sensitivity, with grace, and with support. So I'm looking forward to releasing our next episodes with you. And for those of you who can, I hope that you tune in. Thanks again for joining me today. I love you and I'll see you next time.